Uh, today, we're finishing the series that we've been in titled Life on Mission. And this was a four-part series. If you've missed some of them, I would encourage you to go to our website, vineyard05.com, kind of get caught up to, to, to speed on where we're at. Um, but really, this series um, is all about the missionary life that every follower of Jesus is called to do. And together, all of us can carry out what is called the Great Commission that Jesus gave his disciples and gives everybody who believes in him and follows him to do. And in Matthew 16, he says this, go into the world and preach the good news to everyone. Go into the world and share the good news of the kingdom of God to everyone. That is what we are supposed to do. And my mother-in-law texted uh, Kim and I, uh, she went to go vote Tuesday, and, and where she voted at this church, she said, as she was leaving the church, the sign said, you are now entering the mission field. Isn't that interesting? So, like, this is a church that wherever she was at, somewhere in Cleveland or whatever, uh, uh, understands that once you leave this parking lot, you are now in the mission field. And that's, that, that's I, I just thought that was neat, because that's what we've been talking about here. You know, and, and so for the past few weeks, we've, we've looked at how we can model our lives after Jesus and how we can reflect the character of Jesus in our image, right? How we, we, how we can reflect how he went about preaching the good news. How can we learn from him and do the things that he did? And today we're going we're gonna to end this series by, by looking at how we can create within us a heart like Jesus. Again, how can we mirror the image of Jesus in our character? You see, I, I think that when it comes to preaching the good news, like we hear this great commission, go into all the world and preach the good news of the kingdom. I think what most of us hear is preach. Like, I'm not called for that. But do you know the best witness for the kingdom of God is a person who doesn't use their words it's by their actions that's the best witness that is preaching about the kingdom of God in and of itself and I think when it comes to sharing our faith with others I really don't think that Jesus is concerned about our past he's not focused on where we've been what we've done who we once were I don't think he's even focused on how nervous we get and how inadequate we think we are when it comes to sharing our faith. And I honestly don't think that he's even concerned with our strengths and our weaknesses with who we are as followers of his. I think what God is looking for is commitment, availability, and willingness. Are you willing to do this? Will you make yourself available for what I would like to do through you? And where is your commitment level with me? And I get this from 2 Chronicles chapter 16 where it says, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. See, God is looking, constantly looking for people willing and available to be used by him who is committed to him. We can study the Bible and study the Bible and study the Bible, but if we're not willing to step outside of the walls of our home and share the good news, I honestly 
don't think it really matters. We're not doing what we're supposed to do as believers. And so how do we make ourselves available? How do we fully commit our hearts to Jesus? How do we develop within us a heart like Jesus? And we can do an entire series on just this topic alone, right? But just for the sake of today and the time that we have, we'll focus on a couple of things. So for starters, we must care about the same things that Jesus cares about. What's important to him should become important to us. And Ephesians chapter 5 says this, imitate God in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. So if we want to be like Jesus, if we want to have a heart like Jesus, then we are going to have to learn how to love sacrificially. Imitate God and then follow the example that Christ gives us in the Gospels. And here's one of those examples. Jesus loves everybody. He loves those that we find hard to love. He loves those that we don't like. He loves those that we disagree with. Jesus loves everybody unconditionally. The, the, sometimes I, I try to meditate and think about the grace and mercy that God has, not just for me, but for everybody. And, and it, it, our finite minds, I don't think, can even come close to the grace and mercy that he has. Think about somebody you just had a falling out with, who's a believer as well, right? And you're like, I, I don't ever want to see them again. But did you know that Jesus loves them just as much as he loves you? And he's going to bless them just as much as he's blessing you. It doesn't matter how in the wrong you think they are because they probably think the same about you. And he's up there in heaven. God is up there in heaven just blessing everybody and taking care of everybody because he loves his dear children. And in Matthew chapter 9, this is a verse that hit me hard a number of years ago and I, I, just, I meditate on this often. It says this, when Jesus saw the crowds... He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so when I meditate on this verse, here's what I think about. I think about Jesus sitting in a synagogue as the people are coming in and just watching them. I think about Jesus with his, with his disciples and stuff traveling through towns and there's, there's hundreds of people just trying to get close to him and he's, he's just observing and, and looking and watching. Or he's like sitting up on a hill as the disciples are feeding the 5,000. And there's thousands of people that would gather to hear him speak. But he's looking at each person. And I think if anybody can stare right into the soul of a person, it would be Jesus. Right? He sees right into us. And what does he see? He sees a dying humanity. He sees confusion. He sees helplessness. He saw people who were worried, maybe, maybe bitter, upset with life, ashamed, brokenhearted, 
He saw people who didn't really know how to work through their problems and find a solution. He saw people that didn't know what their true purpose in life was. He saw sheep without a shepherd. That's what I read when I read Matthew 9.36. And he still sees the same today, 2,000 years later. Except the difference is, he wants us to see the crowds through his eyes. He wants us to understand how helpless people are, the way he sees them. I remember a number of years ago when I was first coming to the faith, and of course all my prayers were me-focused, right? God, help me, help me, help me. And, and, and of course, you know, there's nothing wrong with that when, you, when you're first coming to the faith. And then, and then I, I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit or, or what, but, but I just kind of had this idea that I'm going to start praying for people around me. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start as far out as I can, and then I'm going to work my way back to me. And you know what happened? I never got to me. Because I, was more, I started to become more concerned about people around me. And one time, I was so into like, my, my personal prayer time. Listen, I, I felt a hand on the back of my head. And I felt this loving touch and this warmth just fill me. I can remember if, like it was yesterday. And, and if, I could see in, in, if I could see what it was, I, I honestly believe that Jesus was with me in that moment. Because it felt like there was a hand. I was, I was kneeling, like there's a hand on the back of my head. And I just felt this unconditional love from Jesus and this, and this compassion and love for humanity. See, Jesus wants us to have the same heart for humanity that he does. And he wants to move through us as we tell others about the good news that can only be found in him. And here's the thing. Not only does Jesus love the world unconditionally, all right, there's something else that he holds to a higher value, if you can believe that. The church. His church. See, if we're going to love the world in a Matthew 9.36 way, then we have to care for the church. We have to care for everybody around us. You know, one of my prayers every Sunday morning is, God, bless those who come to this church, to this building. Because he's blessing people. Listen, on Taylor Road alone, there's one, two, three, four churches within a half a mile strip. And there's people going to those churches to seek the presence of the Lord. So God, bless them over there, bless us here, and bless them down there, that they may seek your presence. That's his church. What is the church? The church is the body of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. Jesus is the shepherd, and the church is his flock, and he loves his flock. The church is God's family. See, parents who have more than one child, right? 
at least three. Obviously, there's going to be some bickering with your children. Do you, do you shut the one out and love the other? Or do you love them all unconditionally? I, I know you have favorites. <laughs> right, Mom? <laughs> we were all my mom's favorites at one point or another, but I think... Right? But, but, but just kind of get this analogy, like, like, and that's how God does it with billions and billions of people. I know that you're upset with each other right now, but I want to bless you both. Maybe you need a little time apart from each other. I'm going to take care of everybody. Now listen, Ephesians chapter 5. Now in the context of this verse, the Apostle Paul is writing about the husband and wife. And did you know that the husband has the highest role that a human being can have on this earth? Because the husband's role to his wife is that as Jesus's is to the church. And, and here's what, within that, that little passage, we, we hear this. Christ loved the church. He gave his life up for her. Now, you read this whole passage, and that's what Paul is saying that the husband needs to do for his wife. Love your wife. Give yourself up for your wife. Just throwing that out there. And then, Jesus, here's the deal. Jesus loves the church so much that he was willing to step out of eternity and die for the church. He died for us. He died so that we could meet together like this as an assembly of people, as a congregation of people, as the body of Christ. And then, in Matthew 16, Jesus says this, I will build my church... And all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So in the context of this passage, he asks the disciples, he says, hey, boys, you know, uh, what are you hearing out on the streets? Who are people saying that I am? And, and they say, oh, some say this, some say that. And Peter goes, and, and Jesus says, well, who do you guys think I am? Peter says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. Jesus says, right you are, Peter, and you did not figure this out on your own. The Father, God's Holy Spirit, spoke to you. And upon this confession, I will build my church and that all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Not upon Peter I will build my church, but upon the confession that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. When, when a person confesses that and believes that and lives that, the church grows. And all the powers of hell will not conquer that. See, Jesus gave his life up. He was beaten, whipped, punched, spit upon, mocked, nailed to that cross. He died on that cross so that we could receive the forgiveness of our sins, so that we could become whole and have eternal life with him. Yeah. So we could come together as one body and display his love for the world through our love for each other. That is what the church is all about. Unfortunately, sometimes the church gets some of this wrong. Sometimes we, we don't necessarily display our love for each other for the world to see, I think, the way we're supposed to. It seems like sometimes in the church, we're looking for something to become offended by. 
We're looking for something to give us a reason to leave. We become a little judgmental. We become a little judgmental to the non-believers in our lives, and it turns them off. And oftentimes, when we're in the church, and we find something that upsets us, and we leave, we take that hurt, and we, we take that offense to the next church. And then it happens again. And we blame the church. But it really isn't the church, is it? And we, we carry this baggage of hurt and offense and pain with us. And we blame the church. And it becomes an endless cycle. You know what we need to understand, like all of us here? Like, like it's kind of what I said about America earlier. Like, like the church is full of people just trying to survive, right? And get, I mean, I mean, we're, we're all here for one reason. We want to better ourselves through our faith in Jesus. And we know that Jesus is the only one who can help us become better people the way we're supposed to be better people. We come here so that we can help figure out what our true purpose in life is. We come here because we're with like-minded people, and maybe the only thing we have in common is our faith in Jesus. But we're here. And Jesus brought us here. Jesus brought each one of us to this church. Some of you are here and you're still trying to figure out, like, oh, no, if I... You know, I want to take Vineyard Community Church for a little test drive, see if this is where I want to stay. Some of you have been here, and you've, you've worked through the ups and downs, and you're like, and you get this. This is church. Church is full of people, full of people surviving, trying to survive in life. And, and people, people are people, man. People, people can be upsetting. But if we look past that, we'll know that everybody really just wants the same thing, Right? We just want to get along. And we want to better ourselves through our faith in Jesus. And here's the thing that some of us know and maybe some of us don't know. There's, there's another element to all of this. And it, and, it, and it comes to life on Sunday mornings and it comes to life inside the walls of this church. The forces of hell. Jesus said, all the forces of hell will not prevail against my church. But they're here trying to keep us from becoming the people that we want to be in Christ. There's a spiritual battle in here. We know this. Some of us know this. Sometimes, there's, sometimes when, I, when I come in here you know, on Sunday mornings, I can, I can sense it a little bit more than others. I'm like, oh, I get a little irritable. And something is happening something doesn't want something else to happen in this building, whether it's with me or somebody else or whatever. And we need to be aware of that. Why do you think families with children, why do you think you have such a hard time getting here? It could be your children, but because the enemy doesn't want you here. Doesn't want your kids growing up in the church, doesn't want your, your marriage to thrive, your, your family to thrive in the church. And we got to work past that. We have, we have to fight against that. See, the enemy, the forces of hell, will do all it can to keep us divided, to keep us bickering, to keep us to find that one thing to hang on to that we were like, yep, I knew it, that's why I didn't want to be here. To keep us easily offended, 
and sometimes to keep us moving from church to church to church. You know what you get when you stay in one church for a long time? That protective covering of a church home. I, I believe that with all my heart. You get that covering that comes with being in that body. And sometimes, you know, and, 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 and so therefore, the unity is not what it's supposed to be according to what God's word teaches. Here's the thing. To be a Christian is hard work. It, it, it means that we're kind of like rising to another level in life. Like, like, for instance, it means we need to look past things in other people. It means we need to see them like Jesus sees them. Like a sheep without a shepherd. Or we're all a part of this flock, and maybe there's a sheep that kind of has a little rougher edge than you do. Then love on that sheep even more. Because do you know what love does? Covers a multitude of sins. And love has a way of rounding out those rough edges. You know, it often seems like the powers of hell are defeating the church. But if we read the last chapter in this book, what happens? The church wins. The church is victorious. See, Jesus is going to return someday. He's going to take his bride, us, to heaven with him for eternity. And that's something that we can focus on. That's something that can help us deal with all the little things around us that might kind of get under our skin. And, and here's the other thing. This is where I just think it's, it's interesting, like how God is just always taking care of everybody. Because here's the thing. None of the disagreements and friendships lost over issues in and with the church are going to matter when we're in heaven. It's not going to matter. And what are you going to do when you're in heaven and you see that person coming down the road that you don't get along with? You're probably going to go, look at you. Hey, look at you. And you're going to give a big hug. So just do it now and get it over with. Amen. Hell, be that person that reconciles that friendship. Listen, we're all a part of God's family. All right? We are to be united, unified, and not divided. Understanding that it is God's grace and mercy that covers us all. So I want to read a passage from uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. This is the Apostle Paul wrote this from prison to the church in Ephesus. I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, building, binding yourselves together with peace, for there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Here's the deal. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to die for the world, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life in heaven. This is how much God cares for humanity. 
this is how much God cares about the world. He created it, he loves it, and he sent his son to die for it. Out of a dying world, the church is formed. There's life in here. And Jesus loves his church. And the church is going to outlast the world. The church is eternal. If Jesus cares this much for the church, then we should work that much harder at maintaining the integrity of what Jesus is building. We must always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. And this one gets me, man. Making allowance for each other's faults. People are going to mess up. People are going to say things that they didn't mean, that probably hurt your feelings, and they had no idea. Make an allowance for that. Who cares? Let it go. Make every effort to keep ourselves united in the Spirit. And above all, what matters most is how the world views the church. Because if the world doesn't see us as united, making allowances for each other's faults, humble and patient and gentle, why would the world want to come here? To have a heart like Jesus means that we must align ourselves with what matters most to him. Having a heart like Jesus will make us complete. We'll feel complete. And we will experience joy in life the way it is to be experienced. Sometimes in some of the most stressful chapters of, of my life, not just like bad stress, just you know stress or whatever, I feel good. Like I can literally say, I really feel good for what God's doing in our church. I feel good with what's happening. We have some life groups starting up. We have the School of Kingdom ministry happening. We have ladies' cookie party coming up. Whether we have fellowship. We have people getting together, doing life together. That makes me feel good. But also, this means we have to have a sacrificial lifestyle. See, speaking of himself, Jesus said this in Matthew 20, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. And then Philippians chapter 2 kind of piggybacks on that. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Having the same attitude that Christ Jesus had means we are more focused on what is going on around us than what is going on with us. When you're more focused, taking an interest in, in others around you, and you do it genuinely, like from a good spirit, like kingdom-minded, the things that are going on with you, I believe, supernaturally, just kind of wash away. Like the Holy Spirit takes care of you as you are taking care of somebody around you that you see in need. You begin having this Matthew 9, 36 mindset and you begin caring more about the others around you than you do about your own self and God will take care of you. It's how it happens. It's supernatural. Can't explain it, but it happens that way. And we understand, when we do this, we understand that it's not all about us, but about paying attention to what the Father is doing around us and joining him 
in reconciling others to him. Jesus helped people get right with God, and he helped people get right with each other. See, God build, builds a bridge to us through Jesus. Right? Jesus said, no man can come to the Father except through me. Well, it's God's Holy Spirit that speaks to us. And it is God's Holy Spirit that builds a bridge from him to us through Jesus. Then, what we do, because of a changed life within us, is we extend that bridge to others. As we make peace with God, we also make peace with others. This is called reconciliation. The gospel of the good news of Jesus is all about reconciliation. Listen to this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18. The Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinth. In verse 17, he says this. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has, has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. That's a passage that's all about reconciliation. To live out the gospel means that we must be intentional on following the ultimate peace plan that Jesus modeled while he walked the earth. Jesus had a plan, and it was all about peace. By making, by making this a part of who we are, we'll find ourselves having a heart like Jesus. And so I've got a nifty little acronym for peace. We haven't had acronyms around here for a long time. You ready for this? We just did the P in peace. Promote reconciliation. We are to be a bridge builder by helping people get to know God. This new relationship with God then helps build bridges with others. It's kind of like a domino effect. The goal is to bring peace with God and peace with others. That's reconciliation. We can only accomplish this, we can only accomplish this through Jesus by having a heart like Jesus. So that's P, promote reconciliation. The E in peace stands for equip others to lead. Okay? I am a firm believer that everything rises and falls on the leader. Everything. A good leader can take a group of people that don't know a whole lot about what's going on and make them a good team. A bad leader can have the most professional of people in his group and destroy that group. Everything rises and falls on the leader. Look at what Jesus did. He had a group of 12 guys, 
fishermen, just regular dudes. And when we read the Gospels, I mean, they sometimes didn't come off as the brightest, right? But he, he discipled them. And, and in Luke chapter 9, he sends 12 of them out. And he calls them his apostles. Sends them out to do the work of the kingdom. And then later on in Luke chapter 10, he multiplies that. And he has 72 he sends out. Jesus trained the 12, and then he multiplied that by 72. All of us, if we follow the model of Jesus, can lead others in getting to know their purpose in life, in the kingdom. Leaders, you know what a leader is? A leader is a person who influences others. And as a follower of Jesus, we should be the influence to those around us. And if we're always on the lookout for what the Father is doing around us, we will find ourselves equipping others to do the work of the kingdom. So that's the E. The A in peace stands for assist. Assist the poor. Jesus identifies with the poor more than any other people group on the earth. You know why? Because they need extra assistance. They need somebody to help them. They need help. They're downtrodden. They're in a bad spot. God calls us to be a blessing. And here's the thing. He has blessed us so that we in turn can bless others. There's a story in Matthew chapter 25 that, uh, that Jesus uh, said. It's called the, the, the uh, parable of the talents. And the gist of the story is this. God gives each of us gifts and talents to use according to our abilities. Some of us have uh, ten in the story. Some of us have five. Some of us have one or two. It's according to our abilities. All right? What, what are these, these talents? They're gifts. They're talents. They're resources. Things that we have, like, like in our personal toolbox of life, to help others around us. And if we use those to encourage others, if we use those and bear fruit out of that, God will bless us with more. But if we don't use what God has given us in the story, we're told that he will take from us and give it to somebody who will use it. So if you don't use what God has given you, you will lose it. And so what are we doing to assist the poor when it comes to preaching the good news of Jesus and helping those who are captive, blind, oppressed? in the world around us. And now, the C in peace stands for cares. Jesus cares for everyone. In uh, Matthew chapter 4, listen to this. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and sickness. This is a three-part uh, thing that Jesus, he cares about everything. Education, salvation, and health care. That's more than our government can do for any of us. Teaching, education, preaching, and here announcing the good news, salvation, and healing, health care. See, God cares about every part of our being. We're a three-part being, mind, body, and spirit. And that's what that is. Education, salvation, and health care. This is a part of having a heart like Jesus, that we care 
for the entire person. Where are you at spiritually? Where are you at mentally? Where are you at physically? Can I pray for that? Can I help you in that? Can I offer something for you? And then, finally, the E in peace stands for educate. Educate the young. When we read the Gospels, we'll see that Jesus was, was calling. Jesus called the children to him. He had a heart for children. He understood the innocence of children. And I also believe it was because children and young people are the future of the kingdom and the future of where we're at, right? So it's important for us to invest in the young people. It's important that we be a part of educating the young, both in regular education and spiritual education. We have some teachers in here. My wife's a teacher. Mallory's a teacher. We have, uh, oh, uh, Brian's a teacher. We have other teachers in here. Who else, is, who else is in the education system? Anybody else? Right. Who works in the schools? Listen, I think you'll agree with me that teachers in the education system, you're a special type of person. You really are. Because here's the thing. Teachers care for the future of children more than most, or young people if they're in high school. And do you know what else comes with the occupation of being a teacher? It's a draining occupation. It takes a lot out of you. But they care. They care for the well-being of the young people. Because they understand that a lack of education is a prison that keeps people from realizing their full potential. Which in turn keeps people from be becoming all who God created them to be. So if we want to make a difference in this world, then we must understand that to have a heart like Jesus means that we have to, to walk out this ultimate peace plan that Jesus walked out. We can, we can read about this and study it and learn it from the Gospels. Promote reconciliation. Equip others to lead. Assist the poor, the blind, the captive, the oppressed. Care for everyone and educate the young. This is how we make a difference in the kingdom as we live a life on mission that Jesus calls us to live. And so I want to end this entire series with a passage from Psalm 37. It says this, Trust in the Lord and do good. Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. So this passage right here can be a prayer that begins our journey as we mirror the image of Jesus to a dying world around us. Amen? Amen? Let's pray. I thank you most of all, Lord Jesus, for how you modeled things for us, how we are to live our life on mission for a dying world around us.